where else would you rather be than right here, right now? For Bills fans. By Bills fans. Only Buffalo is going to win it. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones. This place is pandemonium. Here's Brad the Bruiser Icorn. So last weekend against Miami, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't beautiful, but it was a win, and the Bills move on to the divisional round, 34-31 winners over the Miami Dolphins. Alex, you and I were both in attendance at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, and, uh, you know, 17-0, it looked like Buffalo was going to cruise, Miami claws her way back, um, Buffalo has a lead at halftime, uh, a fumble return for a touchdown gives Miami their only lead of the game. Buffalo takes, regains the lead, adds to it, and is able to fend off Miami and win by three. Now, I mean, there was a lot of criticism, I think, from the media, from the fan base, on the Bills. Just a little bit of a sloppy win. But at the end of the day, you have to be a pretty darn good team to be able to make those kind of mistakes and still win the game. Granted by three points. Yeah, yeah, Brad. And, I mean, it was... There were some choices made that, like, in all honesty, there's some people getting blamed, which we'll get to later, that shouldn't be getting blamed. Um, I, I think the Bills knew they outclassed the Dolphins talent-wise and were, you know what, going for some, on the offensive side at least, we're going for some, some highlight plays that didn't end up panning out. Yeah. Um, let's say, for example, a shot downfield to John Brown, who – Gave up on the route and was intercepted there by Howard. Yeah, I mean that's not even if you like if it's a blame Allen thing. Like that's not Josh Allen's fault. Like John Brown as a professional football player, but that's John Brown's problem, right? Like this is a thing we've known about John Brown that he did in his first stint with Buffalo, which is sometimes you just give up on running, and it's like, hey, when you have Josh Allen as your quarterback, you don't give up on running. And if he had been there, and most likely he stops tracking the ball and then he has to sprint to catch up. Whereas if he had sprinted underneath it, sort of like a center fielder in baseball, right, Brad? It's easier to get to the target and then make some minor adjustments versus having to catch up the ball and try to make a big catch, which also leads to the thing on that play of if John Brown gets there early and starts posting up, there's a good shot he gets a DPI there. You know, he, he goes up and puts his hands up. Yep. Collins probably playing through his body trying to get that ball. So it's one of those things that's been an issue with John Brown, which is most likely why he hasn't, you know, seen a team's roster this year. Um, and is one of those things that you would like to see fixed going forward. Isaiah McKenzie getting healthier. Maybe John Brown isn't in the lineup this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that one pans out. Uh, another item of note here, how about Josh's other interception um, where I think it was right in the numbers of Cole Beasley off of him, intercepted. I wouldn't put that one on Josh either. No, that, that one's not really on him. I mean, you, you hit a guy in the hands. <laughs> what what more do you want? Yeah. What more do you want other than to hit him in the hands? Like, And to be honest, like, Beasley's got to have that one. He's just got it. 
So um, it is one of those things where it's like you would hope that in the future, um, you know, he would maybe maybe this is just shaking some rust off. And then final third turnover here, that fumble um, to start out the uh, or towards the beginning there of the third quarter. Uh, the pass rusher came at him completely unblocked. That's on the offensive line. Uh, not on the offensive line, Brad, actually. You don't think so? That one, no. This is the reason why. Uh, end zone angle, I had a really good call. I had a really good like view of it. So what happens is you see Josh pre-play. He shifts the offensive line because they were bringing heavy pressure off the right side. They had more guys than they could account for on the play side. Josh accounts for those. And then uh, this is, I don't know what happened inside the huddle, but most likely gave a hot call to Devin Dean Singletary, meaning like, hey, if that guy comes, you stay in block. If you, if there's the right, if our, if our offensive line blocks up the right side and there's no one here, you can release out. Devin Singletary just got it as a release call. So what Devin Singletary, Devin Singletary, and if you notice, Brad, after that moment, you really didn't see Devin Singletary on the field. Until right. the so literal not on last the line, drive of the game. It was on blocking, but not the offensive line to block. That was Singletary's Correct. assignment. Okay, very good. Correct. And, and, and in actuality, if Josh, the issue is it's coming off Josh's blind side and he was scanning right. If Josh read that blitz, like if he saw him, he would have just dumped the ball to Singletary, and then Singletary had a ton of space because it was man coverage on the outside, and his man blitzed. So essentially, if you dump it off to Singletary, he's got a lot of space. Josh didn't see it, however. There was a miscommunication between running back and quarterback because we've seen Josh do that a few times this year where Singletary, where they'll read blitz, they'll call a hot call, and then Josh will get the ball, wait for the blitzer, and then just dump it off to Singletary. However, he expected Singletary on that play to pick up the blitzing safety. How about this, too? Uh, muff punt by Hines, who we just saw have a really good game. And I thought he had a strong game uh, in kick return and punt return overall, but he did have a muff. And luckily, Buffalo was able to recover, but that's a big mistake, too. Yeah, and I mean, Brad, it's, it's kind of one of those things. Because returners, by nature, are aggressive, they're going to... There's going to be a mess up, right? Every single returner in football, like Devin Hester had muffed punts. Cordell Patterson has muffed punts. Everyone is returners muffed punts because punts are incredibly hard to, to, to catch and run with. That's why they, that's why there's people whose whole job it is basically is to be returners. So it's kind of the thing of like, it is, it, I'm kind of, it, it feels like, I'm glad it, it happened now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm glad it happened this or whereas I would prefer, you know, it, uh, rather than happening at a crucial moment where, you know, you, you lose a game over it. It's like, it's in the wild card where we were, we have a lot, a, a lot of talent comparatively to the opposing team. And we have the ability to come back from it. You know, we're, we, you are playing a guy like Skylar Thompson, who is, a quarterback in the NFL, which is better than any of us can say about ourselves, but is a was an undrafted free agent for a reason, right? You know, you don't yep. you don't magically overnight stop being where people drafted you. 
unless you're even Tom Brady took a long time to develop into what he is. This is true. Um, 231 offensive yards allowed by the defense. That's a good defensive outing if you can hold your opponent under that. Granted, they got 31 points, but seven were uh, for the defense, and then some of those were set up by turnovers. I thought all in all the defense played pretty sound. In this game, if you go back and watch, Tremaine Edmonds, has one of the greatest defensive plays I think I've ever seen a linebacker make. Legitimately one of the just just a a just a superhuman, literal superhuman play. He's up in a mug blitz look with Matt Milano in the A gaps. He bails out into zone coverage, reads his outside for crossers, sees doesn't see anybody senses behind him that a guy is on a post or is communicated by his safety, flips his hips, turns and runs and gets back and knocks down the pass before Gusecki can get to it. Yeah. I, I don't like, this is one of those things that is so hard. If you, if you've never coached or played, and I know this is a trope, but it is the truth. When you, when you coach or played, you know, how hard of a play that is, yep. how impressive of a play it is. Mm-hmm. It is it is a one in a trillion play. It is he is one of, if not the best middle linebackers in the game right now. And then a lot of Bills fans don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. And I mean Josh's stat line, he did have two picks, he did have the fumble, but he threw three touchdown passes, some pretty ones, uh Notably, that touchdown pass to Gabe Davis, 352 yards. I mean, that's a pretty good outing. I don't care how it looked. <laughs> Just looking at the stat line alone, if you didn't watch the game and say, oh, yeah, you know, pretty good game. And I... I, I well, it, no, go ahead, Brad. Sorry. No, please. And if you, like, that stat line could be even more impressive. Yeah. If Khalil Shakir holds on the ball. Yes. If the refs actually correctly called the Dawson Knox touchdown a touchdown. Mm-hmm. If Gabe Davis is able to hold on to two deep balls. Yep. You know, if John Brown's able to come down, because that ball also could have easily, in that process of it coming down, it could have ended up in John Brown's hand and he's walking into the end zone. So you're talking 28 points that could have, that were left on the board from the Bills. Well, and one thing to point out here is people say, oh, you know, Buffalo, they barely you know, got by their playoff game. Same thing went for their opponent this week in Cincinnati uh, facing the Bengals or the, excuse me, the Ravens back-to-back Baltimore. Uh, you know, they narrowly defeated it. It took a long uh, fumble recovery. That was a game-winning score there where Tyler Huntley, I don't know why they try to sneak him from the two-yard line, but. Uh, oh, my gosh. That was the, Brad, I was watching and talking to my brother on the phone, and we were both just like, that's insane. Like that is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Because he wasn't, he wasn't close. No. Like, it's not like it was Josh Allen on the one. I legitimately thought they were going to do the thing of, all right, get a wider seat, get Mark Andrews behind him, push him in the push end zone. Yeah. That the rugby scrum would have made a lot of sense there, but Tyler Huntley going up and over, like he's like he's Josh Allen or even Tom Brady. Also, those guys do that at the one-inch line. You know, they do that at the half-yard line where the ball can immediately go over the line. 
it it is just it is just um one of those crazy things it was insane but you know what winners find ways to win losers find the ways to lose Bengals won their game bills won their game so throw everything out the window who cares what happened last week who cares what happened throughout the season outside of um, you know, applauding Cincinnati for their staff, for their sensitivity of what happened to DeMar Hanlon. Um, this is a fresh, clean slate in this game here, and it, it all starts 3 o'clock on Sunday. 100%, Brad. All right, so the Bills, like we said, 34-31 winners over the Miami Dolphins. A 3 o'clock kickoff televised on CBS with Tony Romo, Jim Nance, and company getting set to call that game. A 3 o'clock kickoff from Highmark Stadium. And it looks like conditions will be a little bit warmer. But the possibility of snow uh, as the evening progresses at night. But nonetheless, this is you know what Buffalo wants. To be playing these type of games this late in the season at home. And a big opportunity for Buffalo to go ahead and make a push to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, and, and home field advantage. I know some Cincinnati fans don't think it's fair um, because we don't know what would have happened. Like, you don't know what would have happened in that game. But also, it's like, all right, we can only work with what we know, right? We can only work with what's in front of us. Like Exactly. And the, there's people complaining, oh, it should be a neutral site, neutral site, neutral site. Or Joe Mixon saying them selling tickets to a neutral site game between the Chiefs and bills is bulletin board material it's like um the the Bengals are already selling championship tickets too it's so funny how people run with things that's how it goes yep yeah i don't know if it was bulletin board material today but they already announced uh one of the bills games for next season they're going to be playing a game in london who that'll be determined later but the bills will uh, be playing a game at tottenham hotspur stadium yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason behind that because the people who are designing Bill Stadium are also the people who designed Tottenham's new stadium. Yes. Um, but it's so gross. You're paying, basically, you're paying more money for less games. Or the equal, you're paying, yes, you're paying money for games that you get to watch on TV as a season ticket. Yeah, it is unfortunate as it is, but I mean, the way I look at it is they still have eight home games. They would have had nine, um, but then, you know, eight home, eight road, and one in the UK. Yep. And I've already heard a lot of folks saying, all right, we're booking it. We're going to London. I'm not going to go that far. For one, I'm not rich. I can't just fly to Europe like that. So, uh, no, I'll probably enjoy, uh, you know, from the comfort of my couch early in the morning on a Sunday, but... I don't know. I find it exciting to see that the Bills are back in London once again. I just have such bad memories of that London game, the E.J. Manuel against the Jaguars Yeah, game. I was reliving that a little bit today myself. And it's just one of those things, Brad, where you're like, you, you kind of, <laughs> you get like certain palette things where you, you know, as a fan, you have certain like feelings because of certain eras you watched and just 
waking up early to watch on it was on Yahoo Sports. It was on Yahoo Sports. Yep, it sure was. And waking up early on Yahoo Sports. Yep. To watch EJ Manuel choke another game, this time against the Jaguars, just felt a different level of sad. Yep. He was in only playing because Tyrod Taylor was hurt. So I think he was out for a second consecutive game. And, you know, as a fan base, I think we all knew by this point in EJ's career that he was going to make it. That was very, very clear at this point, uh, especially when Kyle Orton took his job from him the year prior. So, yeah, some stinging memories from that game, but that's next year. Clean slate. But right now, let's focus on this season. Buffalo taking on Cincinnati. All right, so we, we've already, you know, talked about the white elephant in the room uh, with the home field advantage with the Bills being able to play this game. But, you know, Bills, you know, won 13 games through that part of the season right now. Buffalo uh, has the better record. They had the higher seed, and it is what it is. Buffalo is going to be hosting the Bengals in this one. And this is really a big chance for Buffalo to go ahead and try to make that push to do what they were set out to do at the start of the season when they were predicted Super Bowl favorites and try to win the Super Bowl. Sorry, Brad, you cut out there for a second. I didn't catch the tail end. Well, yeah, it's it, basically, ultimately, Alex, it's Buffalo's time to shine here. Uh, it is. I mean, this is their chance I, I to go out there and agree. win the Super Bowl, something that they were predicted to do at the start of the season. And it felt like this was either it felt like either this year or next year's the window, right? You're you're putting a lot of assets on the line. You're putting committing a lot of money to people. You you were doing a lot of things that uh, that make it so this is the expectation and i agree this is it's manifest destiny at this point you you control you control your own destiny you're gonna you're gonna make sink or swim at this point and it feels like this buffalo team has something where they can get past finally get past this last home well, one would hope that the Bills are going to be able to go ahead and uh, make it happen this weekend. Um, right now, uh, health has been a concern for the Bills, and they're starting to get healthy at the right time. No, no Micah Hyde this weekend. Uh, and my gut tells me that if Micah Hyde plays this year, which would be amazing in itself, that it's probably not going to be until, let's say, mm, the Super Bowl. I, I would agree with that. I, I think probably... The Super Bowl is the um, potentially is the, the AFC Championship, but potentially. but even then, that's in, I, I think I think Brad, I agree that you the, the, the Super Bowl is the most likely and correct timeline to get Mike on the field, where he also is able to make a difference. Right, like that's another big thing is like making making it making him be able to make a difference rather than just being, you know, a shell of himself out there. All right. Um, eventually, we're going to get into injuries here in just a little bit here. But um, right now, looking at this game on paper, I mean, Josh Allen, I think, lives for these kind of moments. He is the kind of guy that we might not want him to, but he will carry this team on his back. So... I expect Josh to come out there laser-focused in this one and 
if the Bills are able to go ahead and win this game, obviously he's going to be a big reason why. Yeah, 100%, Brad. It, it needs to be. It doesn't need to be the Josh Allen show. It just needs to be Josh Allen at his peak performance. Because when Josh Allen's at his peak, he is very hard to beat. All right, let's quickly run through the injury report. We'll start with the Buffalo Bills. Dane Jackson, who was limited earlier this week, was a full participant in Thursday practice. Daquan Jones was limited both Wednesday and Thursday with a calf injury. Cam Lewis, full participant this week. Uh, He's dealing with a forearm injury. Isaiah McKenzie, full participant Wednesday and Thursday with a hamstring injury. That's great. He did not play in this last game. Um, Jordan Poyer was limited in practice, uh, did not practice on Thursday, that may have been actually veteran rest on that one. But Josh full participant, Jordan Phillips, who is probably going to be limited throughout uh, nursing that shoulder injury. So he was limited in practice. Flipping over to the Bengals' side of the ball here. Uh, center Alex Kampka did not practice at all this week with an ankle injury. I would say he's unlikely to play in this one. Trey Flowers has not practiced this week at cornerback. He's dealing with a hamstring injury injury. Uh, DJ Reader, the defensive tackle, uh, looks like he'll be playing this week. He just had veteran rest early on. The The big story that the one, a lot of folks are talking about is Jonah Williams, who would be a big blow at offensive tackle, uh, out currently with a knee injury, has not practiced at all this week. Uh, on the injury report, Eli Apple, Joseph O'Sion, Michael Thomas, uh, all full participants in both practices this week thus far. Yeah, and, and Jonah Williams being week to week makes a lot of sense. Like, in all honesty, um, everyone's week to week, right? Like, there's no use in putting a guy on the IR, uh, like, unless it's like you're 100% sure his season's over. Because if there's a shot he could make it, you keep him on the roster because you're like, you know what, we'll just make him inactive on game day. It, it, it just... It just makes sense to me why they pulled him off because it's like, why wouldn't we? You know, just on the off chance he is able to play, then we don't shoot ourselves in the foot. Very encouraging yesterday, too, that um, Gabe Davis detailed Von Miller coming into the locker room, you know, showing, uh, I, I think it's probably a replica of Super Bowl trophy of the Lombardi they gave to the players. And he brought it in and said, come on, you know, along the lines of let's go, let's go get this, let's put in the work. Uh, Gabe Davis said, you know, basically he stayed after practice spending an hour on the jug machine. That's huge. That's what we need him to do. We've seen the drops from Gabe this year. Let's dial it in. They cannot, you know, to quote Dan Fouts and the Waterboy, potentially last game of the year, can't hold anything back. Yeah, exactly, Brad. It is is from this point forward, uh, Foutsian um, consequences for these games. Yes. All right. So a three o'clock kickoff. It'll be televised on CBS coming up this Sunday, January 22nd in Orchard Park from Highmark Stadium. We only had the one home game last year in the wild card round against New England. So back to back home games. And this is really Buffalo's third game home game in a row. Uh, it's been a while since we played back to back like this. Feels a little bit nice. Yeah, it does, Brad. It, it must be nice for the players, too, knowing that, you know, you, you're not traveling, you're not getting ready to go. It's a short trip anyways to Cincinnati, but either way, you're sleeping in your own bed before the game. You're getting ready in your own house. You know, it is uh, a great comfort. What else has been comforting? How about DeMar Hamlin, a guy who went down, was 
uh, you know, getting CPR and defibrillated on the field, uh, back hanging out uh, at team headquarters there in Orchard Park. That is beyond outstanding news. 100% Brad. It is amazing to hear that kind of thing. It was scary. And this is where we it were. Was. This is where our world was about three weeks ago, Alex, that, you know, we were going into that Monday game excited, nervous, you know, and then little did we know that someone was going to nearly die on the football field. Luckily, everyone stepped in. They saved his life. And he's on the road to recovery. I mean, it's like a deep, deep sigh of relief for, I think, a lot of the nation. Anyone that's a sports fan watching that, everyone's heart went out to DeMar Hamlin. There's been such an outpouring of support for him. To see him where he is now, that's got to make everyone feel good. Actually, Brad, to speak on that, that uh, DeMar Hamlin jersey just came in the mail the other day, which was exciting. Oh, you're, you're ready to go. All right. Love it, Alex. All right, Alex, let's go ahead and get into your keys to the game here for the Buffalo Bills as they face the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round of the 2023 NFL playoffs. Uh, The defense has to be ready to adapt. Teams have shown that if you can give Joe Burrow some exotic looks, his success rate really drops off. The Ravens did it well. Um... The Patriots did it exceptionally well after getting torched for 22 points in the first quarter. They didn't let up a score for the rest of the game. So you're going to have to attack Joe Burrow with some exotic looks. Three-man rush with a spy sort of to keep him in the pocket, make him feel uncomfortable, is, is seems like the way to get it done. Um, next, the Bills are going to have to bring back offensive parity. they got to start working the run game in. They were having success success early against the Bengals um, in their first game on the ground. And you need to open those lanes back up. And the third and final thing is just get Stefan Diggs the ball. This is a depleted secondary in for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. They do not have the guys capable to guard Stefan Diggs. Like just, just being honest, it's no knock on Cincinnati either because there's very few in the set people in the NFL. I mean, the, he made, Xavier Howard, who is one of the best corners in the NFL right now, looked silly on Sunday. He he just was tearing it up, and that's what you need from him. You need him to tear it up against Cincinnati. You need him to command a quadruple team, because once that happens, then you can start hitting your other guys, which should have happened Saturday, but everyone kept dropping them. Uh, another thing that I want to point out in this one is that Stephon Diggs, he had 114 yards receiving on seven receptions uh, last week. You know what? He didn't have any yardage, any receptions in the second half. If we see him light up the, the, you know, the stat line there in the first half, want to see in the second half as well. That is key. Well, and also, Brad, what started happening against Miami is they, I mean, the guys that cover one did a great job chronicling it. Um, they started bracketing the heck out of him. They started putting three, two to three guys on him every single play. So it's one of those things where it's like, we're not going to throw into triple coverage because that's silly. We true, don't do that. But, but also, you got to find ways to manufacture ways to get digs open. You also got to 
okay, the guys who aren't Stefan Diggs, if there's three defenders on Stefan Diggs, it means you're probably pretty well uncovered. And maybe this is a cliche or I'm just building off of John Brown here, but I want to see these guys play to the whistle. And we, this is something we usually see from this team, but do the routine stuff. Play to the whistle. Make your tackles. I want to see arm tackle uh, like Matt Milano had where a, a tackle he would make nine out of ten times. He tries to tackle someone with the arms at the ankles and then he slips out of it and picks up a first down. You know, just, you know, execute your fundamentals well. Yes. Any other keys to the game or points that you want to point out here in this big divisional round for the Buffalo Bills? Uh, Special teams is, I think, going to play a key part. If the Bills in the third unit can, if Naheem Hines can start the Bills off in some positive um, yardage, as well as if the Bills can um, get Tyler Bass is always phenomenal. And Sam Martin has been proven to be a very good punter so far this year. So if the Bills can get some big plays on special teams, then it's going to be it's going to be big for them. Coaching. I mean, who do you I mean, does McDermott get the nod in this one? Obviously he's been a head coach longer in this league than Zach Taylor has interesting stat line I want to point out too. Zach Taylor, when I started my first year of grad school at University of Nebraska, Zach Taylor was a quarterback. That's interesting, Brad. <laughs> do you get who do you give the coaching nod to in this one? I mean, I don't I mean it, 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 you gotta expect from Sean McDermott. Like we saw last week truly an actual coaching mishap by Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel oh. squandering those timeouts, not getting the play call in quickly, was a legitimate, legitimate game-changing force because at the end of the game, Miami had no timeouts. The Bills just had to get one first down, and the game was over. And they did. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that these are two very good coaching staffs, and I don't think it actually will – I mean, if it comes down to coaching, something's going horribly wrong. It's like when in the UFC, oh, it came down to the judges shouldn't ever ever put it in their hands. Um, but I, I like what Leslie Frazier and the Bills defense can cook up and Ken Dorsey and the Bills offense can cook up. It'll be interesting to see how it goes against Zach Taylor's coaching units. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition here of the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast. We want to go ahead and remind you, follow us across our social media platforms at facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Draft House at DHS Buffalo on Twitter, at Bills Bruiser, at T.W. Callahan, D.H.S. All right, Bills, Bengals, 3 o'clock Sunday from Highmark Stadium. For Alex Jones, I'm Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Go Bills. This has been the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast, an R Street Media production.